Ready to get started with class three? Encouraging. We need to encourage one another. Isn't that true? Can we do it alone or do we need to encourage one another? And to do that, we need to develop an attitude to be of a service to the Lord and to our brethren in these last days. Throughout this class, our theme will be developing a Christ-like attitude. And that's what we need to have. We need to have that approach. Approach of kindliness, humility, gentleness, courageous and bold. We need to have the proper attitude. And we're going to talk about these things because attitudes are extremely, extremely important. All the teaching and all the study... All the talent, all the instructions cannot make up for a wrong attitude. You can have all of those things. But if you've got the wrong attitude about how to apply them or how to share them, it doesn't matter. With the right attitude, our effort to serve the Lord are strengthened and allows the opportunity to, to live up to our full Potentials. If we don't develop an attitude where we think it is important to be able to, in a kindly way, entreat one another, then our opportunity to be strengthened and to live up to our full potential is gone. Because it won't be accepted. Improper attitudes can lead to unrest and destruction in our ecclesias and or the brotherhood at large. An improper attitude. It can spread. It can infect. An improper attitude is not becoming a brother or sister in Christ. <clears throat> so we have to develop a right attitude. It's something we have to work at. And we should work at willingly and with a good attitude. Be willing to do that. Because we have to look at our attitude toward God, our attitude toward Christ, our attitude towards our family, attitude towards ourselves. You ever think about that? Our attitude toward our brethren. And our attitude towards the work that we do together. Turn over there for a moment to Colossians 3. Colossians 3. Y'all remember how to find Colossians? Colossians 3, verse 12 through 15. Which reads, Put on, therefore, as elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering." Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so do you also. And above all things, put on charity or love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, 
to the which ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Another reading of that says, Clothe yourselves, therefore, as God's own chosen ones. Those who have been called, clothe yourself as one who has been called. Put on behavior, put on tenderheartedness, put on kindness, kind feelings. Put on gentle ways. Be patient. Be gentle with one another. Let the peace which comes from Christ rule in your hearts so that you can appreciate that which you have. Developing the right attitude and looking at our attitude that we have already formed. And perhaps we need to work on it. Attitude toward God. Love. We must have the right kind of love towards God. Ever think about having the right kind of love towards God? Is there a wrong kind of love towards God? But having the right kind of love towards God. Being faithful. Being appreciative, which we talked about before. Being understanding. Being willing to commit. Being dedicated. Examples of love towards God. Jesus defined that kind of love over in Matthew. Let's go there. Chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. 37 and 38. Thirty-seven and thirty-eight. Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Very simply stated, do we love God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our energy? Can we and do we That's the question. Love the Lord with all our heart. Faith and trust. Faith is a strong conviction in things not seen. Y'all are familiar with the 11th chapter of Hebrews, the first verse. You're familiar with what the definition of faith is. That goes along with embracing that to demonstrate our attitude towards God. Because if we have that kind of faith and belief in the scriptures and the things that are written for our learning, it shows we love God. It helps us to develop that attitude. Without faithful, as it says, it's impossible to please God. If you don't believe him, if you don't embrace his scripture, if you don't embrace his word, if you don't have that kind of faith, you don't love God what it says. That's what it says. Here again, in doing all of this, we're developing Christ-like attitudes. So do we wish to have that kind of faith to please God? Romans chapter 1. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. Sixteen and seventeen. 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed to proclaim it. Not ashamed to voice it, to say to anybody that wants to hear about it. That is a demonstration of our faith. That is a demonstration of our love and our attitude towards God. Thankfulness. Attitude of gratitude. Everybody's heard that expression before. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Chapter 3, 17. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. It says another translation, Whatever you do, no matter what it is, in words or deeds, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and in dependence upon His person, giving praise to God through Him. In Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. Give thanks always for all things to God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We should be extremely thankful. One of the things that I think we should be the most thankful for has, has been called out and called to an understanding of the truth and having enough faith to embrace it. And by embracing it, demonstrating thankfulness. Because God's righteous indignation is towards those who have become unthankful, who have become unbelieving, those who have doubtful dispensations. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. In verse 19, so we see that they cannot end in because of unbelief. Being unthankful and unbelieving is serious. Once accepting it, and then denying it is a condemning act. How can we embrace it and then disembrace it? That may not be a word, but it makes sense. How can we not be thankful with the truth and then be dismiss it and be thankful still? attitude of thankfulness for the blessings we have will set aside the bitterness that often destroys the energy of an ecclesia or the brotherhood. Think about that for a minute. If we have an attitude of thankfulness for the blessings, it will set aside those challenges that are things that will pull us down and cause us to doubt. If we have an attitude of thankfulness and appreciate what we have from the calling we have received and accepted, that is an energy we need to continually manifest 
Otherwise, we're going to feel the opposite. If you're thankful, how can you be bitter? If you're happy about something, how can you be bitter about something? If you are really, really embracing something and know it is the correct thing, and you want to share it with others, and you're happy to do so, how can you be bitter about it? You know, you ever think about that? This is absolutely terrific, but you know it's really lousy because I don't want to tell you about it. That's what you're saying. Bitterness often can destroy the energy of an ecclesia or the brotherhood. Those are the kind of things that we need to be looking at these last days. We need to be glad and rejoice in the hope that we have within us. And that attitude towards ourselves comes into play. Humility. A humble estimation of ourselves is extremely important. If you go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Then down in verse 16. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate and be not wise in your own conceits. In other words, another translation says to live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty or snobbish, but readily adjust yourselves to things and give yourselves to be humble and to accept humble tasks. Never overestimate yourself or be wise in your own conceits. Don't think yourself to be better than others. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We share in common. We share in the same hope. That's what that means. We share in the same gospel. We share in the same things the scriptures give each and every one of us to do. Doing it with humility. Doing it with kindness. That is what's important. And we need to recognize that. We don't need to tout it. We don't need to make ourselves to be over uh, confident to the point where it causes bitterness. Because coupled with that is a willingness to serve. If you are serving, you can't help but to be humble. You need to be willing to serve. You need to be happy to serve. And it's, it's the thing that we're not used to doing. It's not easy in the days in which we're living to be humble and be willing to serve. It's not easy for, for you to be happy about a lot of things because so many things pull us down, pull us apart. What's our attitude towards that? Do we accept it in the way we should? <clears throat> Proverbs 15. Let's go there. Proverbs 15.33 The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord brings instruction in wisdom and humility comes before honor. Willing to be humble with our brethren. Willing to be service of service to our brethren. 
willing to take the extra step and go the extra mile with our brethren is what we're charged to do. Because that is the kind of thing that God respects. He doesn't respect a proud and haughty spirit. He respects the spirit that's humble, willing to serve, a loving and kind and gentle type of spirit. And we need to be teachable. You ever think about that, being teachable? To be teachable is to be wise. We're in Proverbs. Look at uh, verse uh, 31 and 32. We're right there. The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. And he that refuses instruction despises his own soul, but he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. Wow. To be teachable is to be wise. To be teachable. If you're proud and arrogant, you can't be taught. You have to have the right attitude. Teachable includes an eagerness to learn and to grow. An eagerness. If you're not enthusiastic about something, you're not going to learn it. If you are enthusiastic about it, you will learn it. It's just that easy. The ability to learn from correction and from profit, from advice and from constructive criticism of others is part of how we are teachable. Do we do that? Look at Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17. He is in the way of life that keeps instruction, but he that refuses reproof erreth. Another translation. He who listens to instruction and correction is not only himself in a way of life, but also is a way of life for others. He who neglects or refuses reproof goes astray, causes to err, and is on a path towards ruin for others. The ability to learn from correction. The ability to profit from advice. The ability to receive constructive criticism. It's part of being taught. It's part of being teachable. And it's not easy. How many brothers down through the years have stood at the stand and gave an exhortation and afterwards or given some instructions afterwards and didn't receive it well. And how many received it well and used it to grow? Because you don't know everything when you stand up here. But you know what? You're teachable. Because the person who gets the most out of lectures and teaching is the teacher. I hope all of y'all become teachers. Next year I can listen to one of y'all up here. Because I'm very teachable. Here's something to think about. You're never too old to learn something new because education is to be too good to be limited to the young. Think about that. You're never too old to learn something new because education is too good to be limited to the young. No matter how old you are, you can always learn something new. 
if you have the right attitude and if you have an attitude of being teachable. You can always learn. And sometimes you learn even better the older you get. And you're, you're happy to do so. <clears throat> we need to be honest towards our mistakes. This means willing to admit our mistakes. Are you willing to admit them? Be honest with yourself. Look at James 5.16. James 5.16. Reads. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your offenses, your sins, and pray for one another that you might be restored to a spiritual tone of mind and be alert. That's one of the hardest things you ever have to do is admit your, admit your mistake. It's real hard because you, you probably felt like, I've studied it, I've taught myself, I've learned it, this is it, and it's wrong. It's hard. It's hard to admit that. That's part of being teachable. That's part of being having the proper attitude of humility and being teachable so that you can learn these things. And you, from that experience, you become a stronger individual, a stronger brother or sister. It includes a willingness to correct your mistakes as well because everyone makes mistakes. An ecclesia that functions well and grows, has brethren that have learned from their mistakes. They've corrected them by applying a scriptural principle and follow the admonition, living in a lifestyle in conformity to the dictates of the truth. That's a fact. You grow best by your mistakes if you're willing to be taught that your mistake needed to be corrected. And if you have that attitude of being teachable, you will grow. And you will be much firmer in the doctrine of the truth that you profess to believe. Attitudes towards our brethren is love. It's at the top of the list. Jesus taught us the necessity of loving our brethren. Scriptures from John 13 and from 1 Peter. I recommend you write them down. Put them in your Bible. Care if they're in your Bible. Write your notes down and put your notes in your Bible. It's very important. Our attitude towards our brethren is extremely important. You can't do it by yourself. You can't be a one-man island or one brother island or one sister island. You need each other. We need each other. We need each other in our ecclesias. We need each other throughout the brotherhood. We need to encourage all of us to be strong strong in the truth because these latter days are difficult. Cooperation with our brethren involves a willingness to work together as God intended. Be willing to sit down and talk about the truth to see if these things be so. Be willing to say, let's have a little uh, discussion about these matters. My dad used to call them kitchen table talks. Sit down and talk about issues. Plan things. Be cooperating together. 
because somebody may just say something that is what you needed at that moment. Ever find that to be the case? Appreciate others and appreciate their works. Because we need to appreciate what others are doing. Over in 1 Thessalonians 5. Let's run over there for a moment. 12 and 13. We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. In other words, encourage or exhort one another and strengthen and build up one another. Just like you're doing for yourself, you need to do it for others. Get to know them. Get to know what they're doing and be happy to help them and to be willing to serve and to encourage them by that service. Over in 1 Timothy. Verse... uh, Chapter 5, verse 17. Let the elders that rule be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in word and doctrine. Or another translation says, Let the elders who perform the duties of their office well be considered doubly worthy of honor and adequate, especially those who labor faithfully in teaching. True appreciation for others will eliminate criticism and jealousy and gossip and many other things that are detrimental to the preservation of the truth. True appreciation. It's like the grease of the gears on a machine. It makes others do their work much better. Appreciation. Appreciate the efforts that your brothers and sisters do to help you in your walk. To help you in the functioning of your ecclesia. Those brothers who dedicate their lives to help the brotherhood, appreciate them. Show your appreciation. Let them know it. Because it helps them too. We all need that. It's all part of being this family. And families live together, they talk together, they do things together, and they appreciate each other together. There are many other traits that we need to model to encourage our brethren in these last days. Submissiveness. I'm not going to read these scriptures because of time. Submissiveness. Peaceableness. Hospitality. Think about these as we're reading them now. These are traits we need to model to encourage brethren in these last days. Warmth and friendliness. Openness, gentleness, and meekness. All of these things are the embodiment of the brotherhood. And we should be willing, we should all have these traits. And we should all be willing to be an example of these traits. Because if you do, it only to help strengthen those things that remain. And of course, to be watchful. Because if you're alert to the signs of times, and if you're alert to the things that might be creeping in unawares, you can encourage each other. Being watchful. Encourage others to be watchful and to be alert. So what does it take? What does it take? Among groups of brethren within Ecclesia, there must be an agreement upon the rules and procedures set in place. 
by Christ and the apostles for the orderly functioning of all. This is important. The Birmingham Unamended Statement of Faith, the doctrines to be rejected. These are important documents, living documents, that help us to keep our ecclesias moving together. They are there for that instruction that's needed. While these documents are essential, they are only as effective as the arranging of the serving board maintaining them. If they're not being used correctly and and defined correctly and applied correctly by the those that are in helping to steer our flocks, then you may as well not have them. They need to be used. Proper application of the statement of faith, the use of the commandments of Christ, promotes promotes fellowship and unity within the body. Proper application of these documents. These are there by brethren from times past. The pioneers wrote those to help us. And they are all scripturally based. Improper application, of course, would lead to disunity. It would lead to a dilution of the truth. And we certainly don't want that to happen. What does it take? The fundamental principles of joy. That's one of the things. Let's think about that. Think about our calling, our belief, and baptism. Those things that bring a mortal man into fellowship with God through Christ Jesus. Those are things that are important, the things that it takes to help us to be strengthened these last days. These are fundamental principles of joy. Those that have been called out, joined together as ecclesias, a body of called out ones. And membership in these ecclesias require that you hold in common the doctrines and the practices of the apostles. And we read about that earlier. Daily admonishing one another in the doctrines, the apostolic doctrine. <clears throat> what does it take? Watchmen, what are the nights? Disruption of the doctrines proclaimed by the apostle leads to confusion. In order to preserve the unity and integrity of the truth, we must be bold, courageous, vigilant, and alert to false doctrines slipping in and possibly deceiving the very elect. And I encourage you to go with me to chapter 33 of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 33. Verses 7 through 9. So you, son of man... I'm reading another translation right now. I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, a wicked man, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his perversity and iniquity, but his blood will I require at your hands. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his evil way, and he does not turn from his evil way, he shall die in his iniquity, and you will have saved your life. Being bold and courageous and willing to be a humble brother or sister and looking for those things to help us to keep the purity and the integrity of the truth. It's what we are being exhorted to do. 
It was exhorted by the prophet Ezekiel and in other places of scripture as well. Over in Amos 3, it says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? For two or more to travel the same path, they must have something in common. And sharing in common the teachings of the gospel lies at the very root of how we should treat each other on a continual basis. That's how we can walk together on this path. By sharing in common and clear understanding the teachings of the gospel. When we understand that, and we embrace it, we can walk together. Walking in fellowship with one another comprises a oneness of mind and an agreement on the vital principles of the truth. That's what we need. That's what it takes. And that's what has been going on since the body has been here. Because we need to be mindful that these principles are not changed or compromised at any time. We cannot take the truth and make it into a lie. We need to apply the principles of the truth in our walk, but also in our walk with our brethren. In Revelation 2, 22, verse 7 and 12, I'll put it up for you. It says, Behold, I come speedily. Blessed, happy to be envied is he who observes and lays to heart and keeps the truth of the prophecy the predictions, the consolations, and warnings contained in this little book. Behold, I am coming soon, and I shall bring my wages and reward with me to repay and render to each one what his, just what his own actions and his, works, his own work merit. And yes, come, Lord Jesus. Our time is about up for this gathering. We're going to be leaving here and going to our separate homes, our ecclesias. We're going to take with us things we have learned this weekend. Applying the things that have been brought forth by those who have been giving classes and lectures and instructions are things that we all need. And we don't just need them here. We need them wherever we are going. Because it could come upon us unaware. One day the Father will command his Son. Tomorrow, about this time, you know the rest. Are we ready today for tomorrow? Because tomorrow may be now. I think we'll stop here. We're a little bit early. Uh, I think we have a few announcements to make and things like that to do, but I want to just stop here and leave this with you because I think it's important that we maintain this proper attitude and be willing to go forth, strengthen and strengthening the things that remain.